Bill Simmons hosts the most downloaded sports podcast of all time with a rotating crew of celebrities, athletes, media staples, and a slew of other friends and family members who always happen to be available. Check out the Bill Simmons podcast on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. Yo, man. Hey. Hi everyone, welcome to Writer's House on Ringer FC. Hope you're all safe and well. It's the first podcast of the new season. We are back, man. We're going to talk a little bit about Leo Messi, some Writer's House transfer news. And then we'll start the season with a little bit of mailbag, man. And my guest is Mr. Ryan Hunt. How you doing, bro? I'm all right, thanks. How are you? I'm right. I feel really good. Yeah? Refreshed? Yeah, I feel refreshed and I just feel good. I just feel quite good. You know what I mean? I've I'm going to start my, my fitness and stuff again. Um, I'm trying to do my, um, my pellet and stuff, but my, my Wi-Fi has been down for three days, bro. Something's <gasps> wrong with the fiber. You know what I mean? It's just not, so I haven't been able to do none of that. And it's a good excuse for me, bro, because good excuse as much not as I, to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because I, I, it don't take me long now. The main thing was when I played football, the football is what I had at the end of the week, why I done fitness, man. But in the main, I'm a very lazy guy in that. So um, I'm, quite, I'm quite pleased that they're, gonna, they're fixing it today and I'm going to get myself fit again. And I feel good when I'm fit and mobile. Mm. I played football. Played football yesterday, um, day before yesterday. Saw this. Did you see that? I scored six goals, man. I saw, I saw, I saw the celebration. And it the, was like... It was, it was so funny it was, because whoever's <laughs> filming it is like down the other end of the pitch. Yeah. And that's you could my just, man, Luigi. And you could just hear you be like, yeah. <laughs> that was, and the thing was, the body shape for the goal, the finish, it was yeah. just like, seen that before somewhere. You know something as well, right? I got so much from people saying, you can't stop on a penalty. So what are you talking about, man? It's a one-stepper. It was a one-stepper, but you know something. I have a side, innit? There are no rules. I got, I got to say, right, I, I can never, ever um, lose the feeling when you score. Uh, I'm so happy. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> In the main, you know, I've, summer's been pretty cool. 
Summer's and been, it's been all right, good. huh? I mean, to be honest, like yeah. I was going to say, because Musa and I, well, we're back now on the Ring RFC feed, back yes, full, man. full service, resumed. Yes. So usual schedules, Stadio Mondays and Thursdays, Writer's House up Wednesdays and mm-hmm. various bonus pods through the season when anything massive happens. On that note, a lot of people were uh, in our mentions the other day being mm-hmm. like, messy emergency pod. And we, <laughs> and You're going to do that, right? And well, we decided to not do an emergency pod specifically. I might as well talk about this now because yeah, yeah, yeah. it's so seismic that I think that as we've already seen, like it's changing yeah. all the time. Yeah. Yeah. So Moose and I are going to do the whole thing on Thursday. Perfect. Um, Perfect. We're just basically going to talk about Messi for, I don't know, 40 minutes and probably touch on some of the stuff we've done with Barca before because a lot Mm -hmm. of it is down to the stuff that we did last summer Mm -hmm. when Messi wanted to go. The the sadness I find with the whole situation without knowing the real ramifications of what's gone on, because hearing people say things like, but why don't he just play for free? He's got enough money. Why don't he just play for nothing? You know what I mean? And that's why I'm saying I'll wait for you and Musa. So as hopefully you can, you can answer that question and um, why he play. But the sad thing for me is everybody at some stage in their life, a lot of people in some stage in their life have had a situation, right, where everything's done, dusted, signed off. You're very happy. It's all done. And then you get the news that actually it's not all done and it's irreversible. And mm-hmm. that's all done. People have been in that situation. So I think that. When, you, when I look at it in that, from that point of view, I really feel quite sad for him because I think that everybody can relate to what he's actually going through because in the main, he doesn't really deep down his heart of hearts want to leave. But I think that he's got to a situation where he, he may have to. And so it's happened. He was happy to stay. He has to leave. And people have been in that situation in everyday life. Mm. I think it's kind of unprecedented to this level though. I wrote a tweet about it the other day saying that the Bartomeu crew were so dreadful at running a football club that, you know, when they arrived, they had, in my opinion, the greatest club side ever. Mm. And a decade underneath them has led to some of the most catastrophic runnings of a football Mm. club that I've ever seen of that scale. And to the point where you have the great, in my opinion, the greatest player of all time. Right unable to re-sign a contract due to the hangover of mismanagement of that football club. Moose and I will go into this in a lot more detail, so I won't rehash it. But yeah, you know, yeah. a lot there are a lot of people who are saying like, well, this guy's taking so much money out of the club, but it's like They've, it's that the, management that management team right has let Messi down. Well the whole me. yeah, the whole thing. I mean you've seen it with yeah. like firing Zuba's arrest after they won the yeah. treble. Or the, just mm-hmm. before they won the treble and then that kind of like um, vindicating Bartomeu or him taking that some kind of vindication the whole thing like we said we could just rehash the podcast we did last year when Messi handed in the Bureau fact but um, I think it's very different this year and I think that because it happened so suddenly and blindsided a load of people and Messi was under the impression that I think it was all all good to go mm. it felt seismic in a way that I've not really seen a football story or a transfer or a departure seem that seismic before mm. And I think that's because of the whole, it's the whole thing. It's not just like, you know, yeah, players have left clubs before. Yeah. Players have left Barcelona before. Managers have left Barcelona before. But there's something completely different. You're, you're dealing with something that's such an anomaly here or such a unique situation that I think it takes a lot of unpacking. And I think we'll probably know more, like we're saying, we're recording this Tuesday morning. Yeah. yeah. By Thursday morning when we do Stadio, we'll probably know a hell of a lot more about this. And I think that's, that's, that for us is one of the reasons why we didn't do an emergency pod straight away because yeah. it could be out of date in an hour. To see him in a Paris shirt is going to be, it's going to be strange. 
Mm. And I can't imagine what it's like for Barcelona fans. They might, they might, it's like a death. You know, if that's not being too dramatic. No, I mean, it is. So there are big questions to be asked at Barcelona. And there's also a lot of stuff that we'll cover in more detail because I think a lot of it is tied up with that CVC deal for the La Liga TV rights and stuff like yes. that. And the Laporta, Perez, Super League, weird partnership thing that they mm. still haven't backed down on. Save it, Rye. Save it, Rye. Yeah, I'll save it. I'll save it. I'll save it. Save it, Rye. Because I want, got, I want got, to go deeper. But we've got some transfer news of our own, huh? Yes. Yes, we've got some new members. Mayor Quadri. We've done some stuff before. Um, really, really intelligent young guy. Um, 26. Chelsea fan, which is quite good, right? Because it's very Arsenal-centric. Um, mm-hmm. I can't lie. Um, stoppage Time podcast versus Head of the Content versus. And somebody, like I said, I've worked with before. And it's the kind of person, um, like I said, with the age, with his knowledge, with somebody that I've got so much respect for, I feel that um, he's going to be a, a welcome addition to the house. I'm really looking forward to it. And plus, I do feel as well, if I'm going to be totally honest, right? Chelsea frightened me. Oh, man. And it's yeah. going to be interesting to have a Chelsea fan on. Chelsea frightened me to fucking death now they got rum. Yep. And Tuckle, and uh, it's, all, it's all coming up. It's all, it's all coming up. Thomas Tuckle. <laughs> yes. Uh, now, he's ace, man. I'm really hyped to, to chat to yeah. Mayoa more. Because yeah. we've... we've Followed each other on Twitter for a little bit, and you know the uh, the Robert Redford gif, the nod. Yes, the one where just I find myself doing that to a lot of his tweets. I'm like, it's nice, yeah. When you look at his stuff and what he says, and what yes, exactly for that 26 year old to have that kind of measured, kind of concise opinions, what he has, you do. It is that is the gif. Every side needs that, you know. Every side needs the metronomic midfielder to keep everyone Mm. ticking. You know, you can't just have Musa Galavant in as a pass first striker. Me just caring about scoring. Exactly. Completely abandoning the pressing structure. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? You've got to have like a couple of people keeping things ticking. And I think Mayoa's balance is, yeah. is going to be really good. We've also got another fan yes. of a West London club coming in. Yes. QPR fan. Flo Lloyd Hughes is joining the gang God, as well. Flo, delighted. Delighted. Yeah, I might Flo's see Flo, Flo in the house yes. as well. Again, yeah. You may know her from Season Zine. Uh, she's been on BBC London, Lowe's. She's been on a regular on Football Weekly for the last year mm-hmm. or two years. Mm-hmm. And um, she's also part of Gold Click, great organisation. Um, Shouts to Matt from Gold Click. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, she's also, she did the England stuff on The Athletic. And she's very good stuff. She's a Don. Really hyped to have Flo in the house. Really well. pleased. Yeah, really pleased with the both of them. I think they're going to be fantastic additions to the house because... Very smart transfer business. Well, you know, you, the thing is, is that when you go in, you've got to try and go in and get the best. You've got to try and get in the best. I think we've gone in and we've got the best. Looking forward to it. I can't wait for them to get involved but, and get them in the, um, in the group. Once get in the WhatsApp. In the group chat. I don't think, I don't think they're ready. They're not ready for the chat. They've got to come in the chat. They no, no, no. They're coming, the they're, they're coming in the chat, but I don't think they're ready. Oh my gosh. It's like sending Pedri to the Olympics. <laughs> Haven't they been through enough? <laughs> and now they're chucking him in the chat. <laughs> What's he got? Pedri, Pedri's now playing, he's playing a couple of games in his old neighbourhood just to, you know, because he hasn't played enough games. <laughs> like, my God. Someone, someone posted That's... a thing, a tweet of it, pulling his luggage out of the, the airport in Barcelona <laughs> and someone just posted it saying, someone called child services. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> the man has played. We'll talk about that when he, when he pops up for Barcelona because yeah. obviously I think we're all big fans of Pedri in the house. Yes. But yeah, welcome to Flo and Mayoa. Yes. Welcome to the house, guys. We'll follow yeah. up the 
tweet from this episode with their Twitter account so you can go and follow them. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, man, squad depth. Squad depth, man. That's what we need, yeah. We need some squad depth. Our some... equivalent of losing players for AFCON is like Musa writing another book. <laughs> you know I mean? And Carl, gonna, like, and Carl every, as well. Every January we're going to lose Musa for three months because he's going to go write a book. Write a book. And Carl as well. We don't know if Carl's going to get called up to write another book. So he's, they're at AFCON. We're, we're going to lose big players. Yeah, man. man. Or when Jeanette goes like and Jeanette, supernova. Oh my God, I forgot. Gosh. Yeah. We've got three people that we lose. Three people <laughs> AFCON. Three people take, AFCON takes three people from it's us. Good job I've retired from international football. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. I forgot. So Jeanette, Carl and Musa, we can mm-hmm. lose at some stage. Yeah. Because they're, because they're so big. Yeah, man. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. All right, man, mailbag time. You know something with mailbag? I'm very excited. I'm, I get very excited about Mailbag because I am very proud of our listeners. And, you know, when you look through the questions, we get loads of questions. We're not getting no foolish. No, we get really good questions. Though. That's a good you know sign. I mean? Yeah, and I it's like re- that. You know, it really is a good yeah. sign because you know that, yep. listen, man, we've got, a, it's an educated audience we've got, man. Big people, rascal art business, not no full, full business. <laughs> and so... When you do a mailbag, I'm really excited about the people because they... <laughs> well, can I let some people behind the curtain? Yeah, go on. I just want to say that the level of preparation that Righty does, <laughs> it's, it's a sign of how, how much respect you have for the Righty's house listeners. I thought it was just Thank a really so good... Much. I was just like, this is, this is nice. Yeah, but right, what I like to do with our, our listeners, and we owe it to them because they come. No, you know, no one's mm. forcing them. They come because... Hopefully they like what they hear and, you know, and the fact that we love doing it. Mm. I do this because I love doing it. And, and the people who, who listen, you know what I mean? Like even my mate the other day said, what's happening, man? What's the fucking house coming back, bro? He's like talking to me like I've done him something. <laughs> do I said, man, my dad hasn't, my dad, <laughs> right, honestly, I swear to God, I barely heard a peep from my dad since we've been off. Seriously. Honestly. Don't call me unless the house is on. Don't care. And that's the thing. Yeah, but the thing is, is that people are saying, "What's happening with Stadia? What's happening with the house? When, when are you coming back?" And he wasn't saying it in a. You know, the, the text was really quite aggressive. What's going on, man? Where's the house? What's going? Where's Where's Stadia? What's going on? Bam! I said, "It's coming, man." Next someone week. on Twitter said to uh, said to me, "I think you guys take too long a vacation." To be honest, and I was just like, <laughs> "Well, you know." <laughs> but you know, so let's do let's do the ma- so the mailbag. So you go first, Kaz Ford. Yes, Kaz. Kaz. Respect. Kaz says, so excited for Wrighty's house. Thanks. What was your highlight moment from the Euros this summer? I think one of them was Raheem Sterling going in was under so much pressure. I Mm -hmm. was anxious and nervous, right? So, and let's face it, for me, he was probably our player of the tournament um, for England. And it was good to see, and I'm not taking it to that that place where I'll say black, this race, but it was good to see a black player actually in the England team you know, helping drag us through. You know, it's, yeah. ne- it's never happened before. I've never seen it before, right? Not to that because level. The, no. Not for that level. No, it's never happened. And I thought he'd done brilliantly um, in, the, in the way that he, the pressure he was under, 
and to go in there. And he answered. He answered a lot of critics yeah. in that respect. I think Gareth has to get, for me, another highlight for me is Gareth's choices, um, team selections, right? And in the end, you know, everybody just having to just fucking settle themselves down, Kaz, because the man knows what he's doing. He's all over it. You know, the fact that we've come semi-final in the World Cup, final in the Euros, the man's earned the right to be able to pick what team he wants because he knows what he's doing. I thought that was really good to see. And one of my, one of my biggest highlights was watching Harry Maguire walk to the penalty spot. I mean, I've never been so fucking nervous in my life watching a penalty shootout, right? This English shootout. But like, honestly, I remember watching Tony Adams used to have to go up for us when we was in ours. And I just nerves because I know what Tony's going to do. He's going to blast it, right? But the fact is, watching Harry Maguire go up, I don't know what anybody else felt, but I felt a rigidness of a center half. What's going on? Why is it? Why is, why is Harry? And I'm thinking, oh my God, this. And Harry Maguire has taken arguably the greatest penalty I've ever seen in a situation of that magnitude. It was tremendous. Dude, he took out penalty. a camera like Spider-Man took oh, out one of them drones in Far From Home. It, it was amazing. It was amazing. And it was... We were so close. I remember Ryan at, at the end, you know, when they came back to the studio, when lost and Italy had done it, congratulations, Italy and everything like that. But I was so tearful because when, obviously when Saka missed and that, I was I devastated, burst into tears. So when it came back, I just, I, when Mark Pugac asked me, um, so did it, and he's asked me whatever he asked me. And I said, you know something, Maybe I was flying too close to the sun. I just, yeah. I just thought I was, I wanted it so badly for that team, for that manager, for everything what was happening, for, for everything, how we got there. Like I say, the semi-final and final, I was just fucking, I, my, my inside Ryan, I was fucking in mm. pieces, man, in pieces. But I'd say that those are the, the highlights, you know, there was, I think, um, I think Italy have to take a lot of credit for the way that mm. they, they, at what they've done. So. You know, they deserved it. But that for me, Kaz, I'll probably go with seeing Sterling come through that and be, for me, the man of the tournament for England was a big moment for me. The German Germany goal, I celebrated as if it was my own son who scored. I'm mm. sure a lot of people did. So nice question, Kaz. I mean, from, what from, you got? from an England point of view, I yeah. think it was the kind of who felt a sense of ownership over the team. Mm. That was a really nice thing, I thought. I thought the yeah. way that this England team managed to get further than any other men's England team has since 1966. Yeah. Whilst also doubling down on basically making sure that this team was representative of everyone. I think that was a massive unbelievable, powerful, especially in the current times and Mm. what the UK, but England specifically, I think has been through over the last five years. Very proud of them. Yeah, very, that was it. I think a a sense of pride. Yeah, there was. Just it standing for more. um, Yeah. And the whole squad seeming to be like even down to little things like Jordan Henderson doing up Bakayo Saka's tie for him. It just yeah, felt right. like this really nice togetherness. Yeah, the, the England captain wearing a rainbow armband, Jordan Henderson coming on in the quarterfinal wearing um, rainbow laces. Rainbow laces, yeah. People, t- they're taking the knee throughout the whole tournament and, yeah. you know, causing politicians to U-turn on their support yeah, for this. Absolutely. You know? and, and the thing God. is, everyone's got receipts. And people won't forget that, you know? So that for me, I think was a really nice moment. It just made me feel very proud. Proud. I think from outside of England, I think um, 
moments of the Euros were probably Denmark-Russia game. Yes, fucking hell. From a personal player performance kind of view, I think seeing Pedri yeah. but like looking like he belonged from the first kick of the ball against Sweden mm. was amazing. I thought he was by far and away one of the best players of the tournament. Definitely was in my team in the tournament. Yeah, I, I loved I loved it. I got I got one from um, Don't Get It Twisted. If there could be an all or nothing style series on the past football team, who would you choose and why? Um, for me, right, mm-hmm. Man United, nineteen ninety nine, bro. I mean, that'd be like apocalypse now levels of intensity. <laughs> Can you imagine, bro? <laughs> it's that playing against those players and seeing them cut and then culminate into that team, and then obviously Alex Ferguson built another one and they went on and done more damage. But playing against that team all the way through you couldn't help but admire and really think, oh, I wonder what it'd be like playing for that team. Mm. But 1999, Ryan, when they refused to lose, bro. Mm. They refused to lose because there was times in that 1999 season where we're not talking about an invincible season or a Manchester City season where they are absolutely amazing. A Chelsea season when they are like playing the most unbelievable football. You're thinking, my God, like Barcelona football, what we saw that mm. Pep's Barcelona, they were just a team that when whatever situation they found themselves in, they dealt with it. They refused to lose. And when you look at the, some of the games that they should have lost in that 99 season, for them to go on, you saw the, the Champions League as well, the Champions League final and everything what they've been, to, to be at the start of that season to the end of that season in an all or nothing, I think it would probably be one of the best anyone would ever see. You won't get anything better than that for me. Man United 1999. In respects of watching um, a football team from the start to the finish, and like you said, the intensity and what would be what it would comprise of is something that I don't think mm-hmm. we'll see before or after, mm-hmm. especially for a season like that. Yeah, I agree, man. Uh, I've got two for this. One is, a, on. one is a mega dorky one and one is a little bit more fun one. So <laughs> mega dorky. My, my dorky one is Bayer Leverkusen 2002 because right. they were on for a treble. They were top of the league. They went to the final of the cup and they went to the, the Champions League final. Mm-hmm. They lost the Champions League final. They mm-hmm. lost the league to Dortmund by a point. They were 1-0 up in the cup final. Berbatov opened the scoring and they lost 4-2 to Schalke. The one I like the the most though I think is the 91-92 Barcelona season wow because Cruyff well yeah Cruyff rocking up and basically winning what it would have been his second of four La Ligas in a row um, mm. winning their first ever Champions League slash European Cup and just changing everything just Cruyff being Cruyff man like I've said this before but like, in his book My Turn you know, there's something like a paragraph on the Cruyff turn and like two paragraphs on the uh, Ajax European Cups in a row mm. and like two paragraphs on winning the European Cup as Barcelona manager. Mm-hmm. He just, he's just like, he whizzes through it. It's just like, whatever. Yeah, I did this. He's, yeah. But then there's like 18 pages dedicated at the end of the book to what the fuck is wrong with Ajax. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, People have their issues with Cruyff and I understand because he could be quite a, a difficult character. But I think that that season at Barcelona, I just think it would have been such an amazing thing to document because you had this iconic football club that actually had never won Europe's top prize. And it's quite strange if you think about it. Yeah. So those, those are my two. Those are your two, man. Okay. 
But Man United 99, I'm, I'm going to say that was big. You got one or should I do this next one? Uh, I can read the next one if you want. Twins in France says, which Olympic sport would rightly like to try? I'm glad I don't have to chime in with this one. Can't see him in the steeplechase. <laughs> but, <laughs> but maybe javelin or fencing. No, man. Javelin, no way. Javelin's too technical, man. All and you've got to be side... absolutely hench for javelin as well. And you've got to be mean? like six foot all one, that six side, foot two. Yeah, sidewards running and then you have to get all that right. And then fencing. Man, get too vexed if people just do that little boop. Boop, little fence that just touch you like that. I'm oh, get super too, bad. Yeah, boop, like, boop. yeah. <laughs> so I wouldn't be doing it. You know what I do? I probably, because like when I remember, I don't know if you're old enough, right? But Steve Ovid, Sebastian Coe, and then Steve Cram came along, 800 meters. Mm-hmm. I, I was just engulfed in that, that time, Sebastian Coe. I just thought he was amazing. Steve Ovid was amazing as well. He used to celebrate before he, he'd won and all that sort of stuff. But <laughs> I remember when I was younger, when I first got to my, my secondary school, Samuel Pepys, they made me do the 1500 meters around Crystal Palace's track. I must have been 11, 12. Whoa. I must have came in 25 yards, even long, bigger, behind everybody else. I didn't think it was, it was ridiculous. I was devastated too far, but I thought the 800 meters as I got older is the one what I'd love to have done, you know, where you go in and you run in that bit where you mm-hmm. have to pace yourself. You have to run in the side and you have to, you can't do too much energy, but then you have to get to the front at a certain place. I, I'd love to have been an elite 800 meters runner with a beautiful style, like an Ed Moses who used to do the 400 meters, like beautiful Ed Moses style or a, a Michael, you know, like, like a, a Michael Johnson, Michael Johnson's kind of style, you know? Right in the Olympics. Right. Cause no, not, see, not, not like the high, the high dive. The high, you know, you, you know what, you know, now, now I think of it, you say high dive, I'd love to learn the pole vault. Wow. Pole vault seems like it would be really fun to do. Was it Bubka? Sergei Bubka. I used oh, yeah, to watch yeah. him. Man could, man could leap tall mountains in a single bound. That's nuts, you know, man. Now, nowadays, though, skateboarding, you know, skating's in the skating's I'm there, so, so pleased about like, that. And I'm pleased for the guys, the guys with the, with the, the BMX, because yeah, they get no funding. You know what I mean? They get nothing and they literally have to go there, do something to bring light to, mm. their, to, their, to, their, um, to their sport. And it's a magnificent thing. And this is why the Olympics are so amazing. Because now, like even yesterday, I was doing this shoot with Arsenal, um, with the Adidas, I should say, with Adidas and stuff, with the, uh, one of the young guys is a skateboarder. All they're talking about is Olympics and what's going to happen now and what they're going to get funding and people have to take notice of them now. It's amazing. Well, especially like Adidas and their relationship with Palace as well. Like yeah, Palace yeah, is obviously yeah. like a legendary kind of like skating streetwear related brand. Yeah. So it's just like, there's got to be, there's got to be. Some got to be. I'm, I'm pleased for that. I'm pleased for that because there's another way in for people. Mm. Another, another sport where people... You know, you just ride your bike and then all of a sudden you get elite, you go to the Olympics and then bam, you're inspiring a whole generation of people. It's magnificent. I like that, man. But I'm going to go with um, pole vault. Pole vault. Pole vault. Ian Wright wants to pole vault, baby. Okay, what we got here? At Nuff Aguirre. Arnulfo Aguirre. Do you think Oba will play better this season now that fans are back? And like you, Righty, when you, you both when you played, both of you need fans because you both feed off of their energy. You get that? It's a tricky one with Oba. I think so, but I do feel that he feeds off of the he does feed off of the fans. But can I go into Oba a bit? 
can I just go into a bit of Oba stuff here? Yeah, of course, right? man. In the house, because the other day I, I watched all these goals from Dortmund. All of them. Good, right? Awesome. Unbelievable. And the, technica- the technical players that he had, obviously Dembele, he had Gundogan, he had Mkhitaryan. He had a lot of creativity around him, right? But what I saw, which was blatantly obvious, and if anybody looks at them, they'll see, he's in the box all the time, in the center of the box, probably 99% of the time. And if he's coming from the left or the right, he's, he's already in there, he's running onto it. Mm-hmm. He's got to be playing in the center, surrounded by players passing the ball to him. If you watch the way he plays and the fans will say, oh, he doesn't do, doesn't do enough, he doesn't do enough. What he done for Dortmund is exactly what we need him to do for Arsenal. He's not that link-up player. He's not that player. He's never been that player. For me, it's so obvious to see that when he doesn't do well is when the chances are not created. You're hoping that this season he could be in the middle and we can get the balls to him and he can get through and he can score. Because at the moment, he's getting chances where he's not getting many. So when he gets one, if he misses it, everyone says, oh, dude, here we go again. You know, he's, since he signed the contract, all that bollocks. When the fact is, we're not using, our, our, well, when you look at the history, um, one of our most potent go- goals to ratio players in the history of our club. Mm-hmm. I think it's tricky with Aubameyang. I think the, the, to, the, to the question, um, I think, yeah, I think he will probably feed off the energy a little more. But I also think it's easy to forget that he's had quite a difficult year. He had the stuff with his mum. He got malaria. Yeah. And he was playing in an Arsenal side that, you know, really wasn't creating a lot. And I think the thing about that Dortmund side, those two years when he got turbocharged was under Tuchel. Mm. It was also when Mkhitaryan kind of caught fire as well yes. at Dortmund yes. for the first year. If you look at what Arsenal have to offer in a full strength setup, I don't think it's a million miles away. Or I, th- I think it's definitely on par with what Dortmund had during that. D- doing the glass half full scenario, I think mm-hmm. that what, what Mikel is trying to do at Arsenal is very similar to what Klopp was trying to do originally at Liverpool. And I think it's basically just trying to like make you hard to beat before you go and really, really catch fire up front. Because Arsenal was so problematic defensively for a long time. You know, it was almost like a centre-back's graveyard for a decade. Mm. Having confidence behind you allows you to be freer going forward. Now, I know I'm diverging a little bit off the Aubameyang thing, but no, no, do you think cool. like Emil Smith were only really emerged as the player that we know? Like if someone said a, over, just over a year ago or before last season, in a year's time, Emil Smith was going to take the number 10 shirt, you would have been like, mm. what? Mm, you would. Yeah, you would have. His emergence over the last year has been really encouraging. You've had another year of Bukayo Saka who... Honestly, I don't think we'll be affected by what happened in that final at all. No. Because I just think that now enough time has gone past. There was so much goodwill and nor should he so be affected love. by it, by the way, because the best that, penalties Tottenham, are, that, that Tottenham love. Yeah, exactly. Like the best mm. players of all time have missed penalties. Yeah, Baggio. It will happen. I think, and him going to the Euros as well and him kind of similar to what Pedri did, like looking like he belonged mm. will be really encouraging for him this season. And I've got a little see- sneaky suspicion that this might be the season that we really start seeing peak Pepe. So I think yeah. if you have those three players behind, then you can afford to play Aubameyang centrally. Yeah. And I think that that gives you a lot more creativity, especially with hopefully a fully fit Kieran Tierney all season. Yeah. I think Ben White is going to be a massive addition at oh, the back. Massive signing. What a great signing. And also Lukonga in, in midfield. Yeah, in like, midfield. He yeah. looks like he... 
he looks like he's, it's like, whoa, shit, where, where did this guy kind of come from? There are good players that Arsenal have brought in and actually surprisingly smart business. So in a very, very long winded way, what I'm saying is that I think that if you, if you can, if you can, I'm optimistic, but obviously cautious, cautiously optimistic. And hopefully, fingers crossed, it'll, it'll be a good one for him. I hope so because I I do love him. Oh yeah. I mean, we all, we all love Oba. What you got next? We had one from Sam, Visual Criminal, who said, yes. if Canada wins gold in the women's football, mm. which they did. Yes. Congratulations, Canada. Does this cement Christine Sinclair as the GOAT? Now, this is a good question, I think. It's a very it's good a question. One. I mean, but, um, can I just throw in my two pence worth? Please, quickly? please, I mean, yeah. I don't think there's any argument about the greatest international goal scorer of all time because she is literally the greatest international goal scorer of all time. Yeah. Yeah. in men or women's football. Right, so we can't argue with that. Scored at five World Cups. Five World Cups? Wow. In terms of the greatest women's player of all time, I don't think so. I think she's in the top three. I've, I've got Marta, Mia Hamm, who I used to do stuff with back in the day. And then I'd probably go with Christine Sinclair. Um, but like, I, if we're going to mention, we have to mention Kelly, I have to mention Kelly Smith. Mm. Um, Abby Wambach, Birgit Prince, Germany, unbelievable goal scorer. But I think Marta for me, but Christine Sinclair is in there. And, and, and any, people can change. People can say, well, I think it's Christine. Fine. Fine. But just in my opinion, what she's done, her achievements up to this point, and now her first Olympic gold for Canada, I think she's in, she's in the top three, without a shadow of a doubt. For me, I'm, I'm going to go with, like I say, Marta, Mia Hamm, and then I'll go with Christine. That Olympic gold thing, I think is, I think it's hard to overstate how big that is for ca- Canadian mm. football. It's Canada's first gold medal in the sport in 117 years. If you think of the arc for Christine Sinclair, mm. to cap a career that she's had, she's 38 mm. with an Olympic gold. I mean, I don't know whether she's going to make it to the World Cup in two years time. Who knows? But she's, wow. she's, I mean, but she's, I don't think that her goal scoring will slow down. But she played, a, she played a different role, what I saw. Mm. You know what I mean? She was, she's got a lot of pace and a lot of like good young technical players around her. Mm. So you can see she's just like purely working on preserving and just keeping herself fit as she can. You know, who says she can't? She's got to get her flowers there. So Christine. Should we give flowers to Christine? First flowers of the season. Absolutely. Yeah. First flowers of the season. Christine Sinclair. Deserved first recipient of the flowers from Wright's house. Yeah. For the 2021-2022 season. Season. This is from sedentary underscore Gary. Hey, the, uh, he's the honorary lifelong stadio president. Is that right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nice one. Because he, he sent in, do you remember when Arsene Wenger did that Guardian interview? Gary yeah. sent in the question saying roll necks or cardigans, which he answered. <laughs> did he answer? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he said, what did he say? He said what he preferred he a roll say? neck because of the freedom oh of God. movement. It was like, it's a, it was like he, someone had designed an answer for Musa based on an algorithm. <laughs> From sedentary underscore Gary says, did you enjoy preseason? How difficult did you find it getting back to full fitness after a break over the summer? Um, it was tough. It was tough, Gary, because... During the season, I used to really not do anything. And then maybe the last couple of weeks, I started doing a bit of jogging. But what I, what I liked, and I think I've said it before at some stage, I loved going to training and hitting the wall because it was like 
running every single day and the next day you have to get yourself running and when you're stiff you start doing your warm-up then you do a little warm-up and then you say right here we go you do the first like five ten steps and you could just feel like your body's just like okay here we go and then you're away and then it goes mental and when you see people vomiting, Gary, and seeing people falling over, <laughs> literally like, you know, falling over on the floor, I can't breathe. And it's the, that's when you know, I, it's when people, it's like when the coaches look at you and say, yeah, he's going for it. He's digging in. That's the person I know that if it comes down to it, he's going to give me everything on the pitch. And that is the mental side of it what, while you're running, what you're constantly thinking about. If I don't run, what are they going to think that I'll let them down when they need me most? It's all a mental mind fuck, if I'm really totally honest. But <laughs> I liked hitting the wall. I liked being fit. I, it didn't take me long because for me and as for a striker, Gary, I feel that defenders, you have to be sharp. You have to be able to counteract what strikers are doing. Midfielders, you have to get that stamina going very quickly. But I think that with strikers, you can be up there and you could be in and around there. You get a ball played into it. Bam, you score a goal. People are not worrying about your fitness. All they're saying, oh, look, He's, 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 he's scoring already. You could take longer as a striker to get to your stride. Mm. So that's why a couple of goals early in pre-season, um, not pre-season, a couple of goals early at the start of the season kind of eases you into it because then you can continue to flow through. Because what I liked to do was playing in those games against Boreham Woods and Auburns, those little games, I just wanted to be sharp and never give the ball away. It's the kind of game I'd say, right, for this game, I'm only going to try and make sure that I do a lot of my layoffs yeah. with my left foot. Yeah. You know, just trying things. And this is when Bruce, yeah, and this is when Bruce Riock was having a go at me because he thought I was taking the piss. But what I'm doing <laughs> is I'm getting myself into a, uh, into a mindset where I'm trying to get myself ready for the start of the season. But in respect of fitness, I'd say about four or five games into the season, I'm probably at my, I'm at like Premier League fitness levels, gal. Uh, we got this one from... Is it Holly? Yeah, Holly Balleen. Holly Balleen. Hey, Holly Balleen. Shout out to Holly Balleen. Hello, righty. What's your opinion hey. on Grealish's move to City? Um, delighted for him. Mm. Uh, I think that the way it's been handled, um, Christian Persley, the way he's dealt with it, the way Villa fans have accepted it and what Jack's done to get to this point and get to this place. Because he, like when I left Palace, I just wanted to go to a place now where I could win stuff. I wanted to ele- elevate myself to that level where I can challenge for the Premier League, play in Europe and do all that sort of stuff. And he's done the same, but he's done it properly. Mm. You know, there's t- I remember when they first went down, there was massive talk about Tottenham. Oh, yeah, remember I the talk that, about yeah. Tottenham? And then I remember they came back um, and then when they played against Tottenham, they beat him. I think they beat him 3-1 and he was magnificent mm. in that season. And obviously that season, they nearly went down. They stayed up by the skin of their teeth. And what he'd done, which was magnanimous of him and you have to say that him and his his representatives have handled it brilliantly they signed a new deal and that enabled Villa to then ask for a hundred million pounds and the thing is is that they've put a hundred million pounds because they thought well no one's going to pay that Jack put in his clause if Villa are not in the Champions League and somebody comes in a hundred million I can go and that is what's triggered it that's a very specific clause absolutely and that's what you need if at that level, that's what you need. And, you know, I mean, I've gone a long way around saying it, Holly, but I think that he's got the move that he wants. I think that he's more than good enough to be there in respects of what he brings. He brings a different kind of attacking play to City, running with the ball through these low block, like two banks of four, running at people, committing people, 
getting people to to have to come out and 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 engage you will just make space for other people. You, you, the excitement of him, maybe on that in that number eight left side, just inside maybe a Foden or a Sterling with Grealish on the, with Grealish with De Bruyne on the other side whipping those balls in. It's it sounds mouth watering. And if they do get Harry Kane, sorry, right? If they do get Harry Kane, if that does happen, that does happen. It's 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 exciting simply because of what he can give and what what De Bruyne can give, what Foden can give, what Sterling can give, what Maris can give. Jesus Christ, Gundogan. It's that goes on. They need for me to sort out the striker because yeah. what I saw the other day in the in the Community Shield was a team that it's not the team. Obviously, there's about eight players missing, but they didn't. It didn't look right. You know what I mean? It's very hard to judge, but Leicester looked obviously a lot closer because they looked a lot closer to their first team. But you know that City, once all those guys come back, it's going to be it's going to be fluid. I think it's a really interesting signing from a footballing perspective as well. I mean, before before that, just to echo what you said, I think the way that he's he's handled it is kind of unfuckwithable in a way. Yeah, man. Yeah. Sign a new deal, guarantee the a massive windfall yeah. for the club, Which so that they're going to be okay. Yes. The open communication from the club, explaining the deal, also explaining mm. that they're not going to just sign someone to replace him. They're going to spread that yeah. out over three signings, yeah. which I think they've done yeah. really well, by the Unbelievable. way. Unbelievable. Brilliantly. It's kind of very much a signing that you'd expect of Jack Grealish, if that makes sense, or a transfer that you would expect I, I of Jack it. Grealish. It's, yeah. This works for me, but it's also going to work for Villa, who I've mm. grown up supporting and played for yeah. since I was a boy. Like, it's, it's perfect. I, I, just, I just love the way that he loves the club, the money's it's, it's irrelevant. It's mm. what he wants to do now. You can see he's chasing legacy now. Yeah, yeah. He, he believes. Stuff, yeah. yeah, he believes that with his ability, and I, I'm totally, totally with him on it. I totally agree with him. He should be challenging for the best stuff. He should be playing in the Champions League. He should be an England international regular. He should be playing on those stages. Mm. And not saying he's not going to do that with Villa because he can. But what City gives him is the capability of winning. That, yeah. that Premier League, which they should do, you know, especially if they get Kane, the chance to play in the Champions League and win it, you know, and that is what he's left for, but he's left them in a bloody good place. And yeah. that is what's good. That is what's good about this. Everybody's happy. You know, the Villa, the Villa fans will probably feel a little bit of a pang because they love him so much and why not? Yeah. And he feels no, the I same. He'll feel yeah. the same. He'll feel the same. But what's good about it is that in the main, he could go back to Villa and he could be in and around the area and in and around the people and they'll love him. Yeah, he's, he's got not, loads he's, of players that can't around. do that. He's not dick the club no. around. Um, and I think in a footballing sense, it's really interesting as well because I think that if you look at it compared to, this is quite a maverick footballer. Yeah. It's quite a smart move from Pep actually because what Grealish does really well is he attracts so much attention from opposition yes. players yes. and he's so unpredictable. City at times, when they couldn't execute their... Uh, overloads and passing yeah, patterns last season yeah. that's when mm. they struggled because everything is so pattern based yes if you have someone like Grealish in there who is actually just going to be like chaotic give me the ball get out of the Go way I'm going to run at people yeah. and he can attract yeah. two or three defenders mm. then it opens you, you essentially he can it's very similar to Sancho actually but in different styles Sancho yeah. is very good at attracting multiple defenders to then create overload do you know what I mean yes um, and I think that's it's really smart. It's, really, it. yeah. it's actually quite a very, it's a very smart signing because there aren't a lot of players out there in Europe, I don't think, who can, who were available, who could do that for City, who wouldn't have, and to be honest, most of them would have cost them not Maybe far more. off that anyway. 
Yeah. Um, so I'm gonna. It's really interesting to see how City are gonna play with him. I think it's amazing signing, Ollie. I think it's good, man. I think it's really good. I think that if you th- if you look at Chelsea, Man United, City, they've all signed really well this season. Chelsea have put, put down a fucking marker, bro. I think we said on the Stadio thing, like when Tuchel took over, because uh, the first few games there was a lot of like. There's a lot of disgruntled Chelsea fans, to be honest, in the first few games. What, with Tuchel? Yeah, Musa and I were saying that, you know, they'll, they'll challenge for the title next season. Like, it was just obvious, I think. Mm. No, but I love the way Tuchel is. The man is so tunnel-visioned on what he's doing. He doesn't business, man. Yeah, I mean, he's, I, I, he's exhausting to work under, I think. Some of the stories that happened in Dortmund. Yeah, I could imagine. Is that us, right? Yeah, man. Come kick me out. But like, it's, it's just great to be back, right? Thanks for coming on. Oh, thanks um, for having me, man. Nice to be back. So I'll see you what, so next week. Yeah, man. Have a good week. I love you. And you, man. Love you too. Thanks for listening, everybody. Okay, the first one's over. It's just great to be back with my man, Ryan. Thanks to Ryan Hun. And you know what? We'll see you next week. Season's ready to go. You know what? I'm going to make sure I'm happy all season. Nothing is going to make me sad this season. I'm going to enjoy it. Come with me. See you next week. <laughs>